And quite honestly, I didn't want you to go there because I just, it was a military hospital. And I was like, I, I just don't know. So your dad called a friend of his who was a psychiatric, um, a psychiatrist for in the military. And he had worked, she had worked at your dad's command, his previous command. And she said to your dad, I would let her go there in a heartbeat. She's the right age. It's the right age group. Uh, it's going to be a very calm environment because the majority of the cases they're going to have there are going to be depression or suicide. Whereas in the greater mental health hospital area or arena, there might be a lot of different cases all at one hospital and it's going to be quiet for her. She's going to be an interesting case for them because it's a research hospital. So they're going to take extra interest in her case. So reluctantly, I said, yes. Um, I mean, your dad pretty much said, we have to do this. Otherwise, there's no other, there's no other bed for her in anywhere in the county. So, you know, we said, yes, we transported you by <laughs> ambulance. Yeah. Ambulance. I rode with you in the ambulance and you were telling the guy, like, I like your sunglasses. Can I wear it? And he was letting you wear his sunglasses and one of the um, tech, the EMTs and the ambulance and everything. So we get you transferred over to Balboa. Um, we have to do intake there. I had, you know, intake at the hospital and then intake at Balboa hospital and, you know, repeating the same thing over and over again. And finally, I just, while I was doing it, I kind of wrote it all down so that I wouldn't have to necessarily try to remember it all. And so we give them all the information and then another person is interviewing you. So after Graham and I do that, because your dad is, is doing the check-in part with you again at that, at this, at Balboa, um, they take you and then we meet with the person in, who interviewed you. And I don't remember his name, but he says to both of us, like, has she ever been in the Navy? And we were like, well, she was in the Navy for like 10 days when, you know, she went to OCS and he's like, oh, because she told me she was a nuclear officer and on a submarine. I'm like, no, that, that's her dad's, that's her dad's <laughs> career. So you had to be pretending that your dad's career was yours. But then he said, he said, in all, he's like, okay. He said, but I, he said, I just want to tell you all of this right now. And he said, and oh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna cry. But he said, oh, your daughter is very, very, very sick. He said, I need you to understand the seriousness of her case and how far into psychosis she is. And he said, she's very sweet and happy. He said, but she's very sick. Oh. And I was just the first time that somebody had really just said she's sick and this is what she needs you know he said you know we're gonna take care of her and you can visit you know they went over all this stuff these are the visiting hours and when you can come and all this stuff and of course um that leaving you there was oh it was hard because you didn't want us to go everything and I felt so horribly guilty leaving you there in the hospital because you know you hear horrible things about mental hospitals right like I was just worried like are they going to take care of her are they going to be mean to her like how are we going to know and 
I was happy that it was a non-restraint hospital, even though I didn't really know what that meant at the time. I was thankful for that. Um, so, and it was, it was hard to leave you. So we left and then we, I mean, we were immediately there. The next day? Monday. I mean, we, well, oh, we okay. went every, every day from 4.30 to 6.30, Monday through Friday. And then we were there most of our visiting time on Saturdays and Sundays, but, but we also learned that it was a little overwhelming for you. So we know we just had to tailor all that to, to your, to where you were, you know? So when we came in Monday, you had already seen like the, the first psychiatrist, their psychiatrist there rotated every week. You would get a different one, which was not good. It ended up being good but in the beginning it wasn't good and the medicine that she had you on was not good and you were you know it made your catatonia worse and like you shared huh what is catatonia well i mean it's just a form of psychosis it's a a form of psychosis where you're just frozen you know and you you were frozen i mean when we went there you were sitting in the TV room and we were only allowed in the common area so like we couldn't go into yeah I remember that I remember I was watching TV and dad he came to the door and he was like calling for me and I was I knew he was but I physically couldn't move right you had your arm up you know like like you were on a chair or armrest but it wasn't so I mean you did come out and that was really difficult Uh, I met with a psychiatrist almost every day I met or, or had phone calls with them. Um, the one nurse, Amber, uh, Amber took a really, you know, specific interest in your case. And she's the one who really got you on the right path for diagnosis because the nurses are with you all the time. The psychiatrists would come in and they would interview you and, and, um, you know, they'd want to know, they interviewed you to see like, do you know what day it is? Do you know who the president is? Do you know what date it is? What day of the week? Do you know all these things and trying to see where you were and like just mentally. And, um, you know, that's when we learned, at least for that hospital, you know, no restraint meant that they didn't force you to do anything. Um, and you did some crazy stuff in the hospital, uh, <laughs> down the toilet yeah, and clogged up a whole side of one of the ward. Um, the hospital nice. I mean, you know, the chairs were heavy so that they couldn't be thrown. Didn't my um, blood the entire side of the psych ward. You didn't flood it, but it was like you couldn't use a whole t- a whole side of it, right? Because flushing your <laughs> clothes down the toilet. Um, uh, it's funny, but it's not. You know, and it was interesting to see, like, um, you know, as you you would get aggravated with us if we were there too long. You would also feel like, like we thought, okay, we're going to bring you dinner every night. But then we learned that that's not really what we should be doing. Um, you, you needed to eat with the other people, whatever the other people were eating. Um, you also went to all the groups. You went to the AA group. You went to the art therapy group. You went AA to, group? you did, really? you did. I was like, why are you going to that? You don't have an alcohol problem. <laughs> we're like, it's a nice group. I'm going to go. And I was like, okay. I mean, you were still in psychosis. Then. They And so then once, once you started to get better though, they were like, you really can't come to this group, Aaron, because you don't, you're not 
you know, you don't have an alcohol problem. Um, you could play ping pong really well, like insanely. Ping pong? Yeah. You were able to bounce the ping pong ball on the paddle over a hundred times straight without it falling. It was just, we were all in awe. Um, just watching you do it. You ate a lot. I gained so much weight. <laughs> well, you didn't gain too much weight there, but you needed to gain some weight because you had lost a lot of weight. Um, you liked the padded room. Actually, you I told us. To take naps. Yeah. Oh, I should go back up. The first night you were there when we got home and your dad and I were just so just just distraught with everything. Um you know, I'm sitting on the porch crying and your dad's like, it's going to be okay. She's where she needs to be. Of course, your dad's always like the, tries to be like the strong one, you know. And then we had your phone and you would call us on your phone, <laughs> which is so funny. Um, and you had left a message on your phone. Really? And Yes. So you had called to talk to us, but on your cell phone. Does that make sense? Yes. So you left a message and you sang I, that song. I just want to be in the light. You sang the song on your cell phone as a message. I don't remember this. And I just told your dad that I thought that that was a sign from God that you were going to be okay. Because yeah. you, you sang that song. So, yeah, you sang like the whole chorus. Um, and Wait, well, I want to be in the light as you're in the light. Song? Yeah. That's oh, the song. Okay. Yeah. You sang that song. Um, and so then I just carried your phone with me all the time because you would call me on your phone. Yeah, I remember that. And I, that's when the, and little things like that. I knew you were getting better when you would call me on my phone or you would call your dad on his phone. And then I knew you were getting better, you know, when, do you know, do you know that I would call Shim in the yeah. hospital? Yeah. Okay. I do. Um, I know that you were getting, I knew that you were getting better also when you, when uh, noises would start to bother you again, you know, mm. we'd be in the hospital, we'd be there visiting and you were getting, you know, you were starting to hear more of the conversations going around you. Like you weren't having tunnel vision. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right word, but like when noises would start to bother you around you, I thought, oh, that's, she's kind of coming back into reality. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they wanted to do an MRI on your brain to make sure that like when you had fallen at OCS, like you hadn't hurt your brain. Um, but we never really got that done because you felt like they were going to kill you me, know, kill you with the MRI machine, but giving you the Ativan to calm you down, to take you to the MRI was part of the trigger for the nurse really having the information that she needed to say, Hey, look, she's having catatonia. Cause you would, you responded. It was like, it's, you responded positively to the it like relaxed you. And I guess that's a sign that yes, you are having catatonia. And it was a, you know, a trial and error to get the medicine right. The, the one doctor that had you on the wrong medicine that I felt that was the wrong doctor when I, I told them that she was never allowed to be your doctor again, because she just wasn't really listening to me. Um, and that was good. So the first time you were in the hospital for about three weeks, 
and then you came home. Um, they wanted to keep you as a patient outpatient there, but they couldn't because you, you were on a, you weren't on the healthcare plan for the military that allowed you to get treatment outpatient at military hospitals. So, which was fine. Because. But because they did their research and they found that the, the great program at UCSD called CARE um, and they referred us there and they got you in right away and you did individual therapy and group therapy and you met with your psychiatrist and you loved all of your providers there, which was amazing. And truly that is a, is a wonderful program that helped you to recover. You did have a relapse. They just lowered your medicine too fast. At that time, you were still kind of under the treatment of the military hospital because they were the ones who you hadn't seen your other doctors yet when they lowered your medicine. And then I took you in, you had a re you were having a relapse, you know, you were pacing, you weren't able to sleep. You were having involuntary leg movements. Um, I took you to the, took you to, took you in to see the psychiatrist. And she says to me, we're going to give her to Monday. I'm going to up her medicine because at that time, then they had switched you over to them being responsible. And she said, I'll give I'll up her medicine over the weekend to see if we can kind of curb it. But if she's not better by Monday, then I'm going to suggest that she goes back in inpatient, which I did not want to happen. You did not get better over the weekend. You got worse. And so then on Monday we went to see the doctor and your gram was with me and she said she needs to go inpatient. And I said, okay. And they were going to try to get you in at UCSD. But as we were leaving the office, we're in the hospital, in the elevator. And I looked at Graham and I said, we have to go now. Because if I don't go now and I go home and I take her home, I'm not going to want to bring her back. Because you have to understand, even though it was the right thing, it's very traumatic for a parent to put their kid in a hospital like that. You know? No, I know. I mean, I, I don't know, but you, you know, I, I understand. So I, I, and, and Graham said, I, all right, let's do it. So I said, I will just call Kevin and he will meet us at the ER at Balboa. Cause I knew, I knew then, I knew then how to get you into the system, you know? So I said, if I, yeah. So if I took you home, I wouldn't have had the strength to do the right thing. So your dad met us there. It was really long. You know, the ER didn't really believe you were in psychosis. It was a whole thing. We had to convince them. And then it was very long and we had to wait and you didn't get there. You didn't actually get into the, to, into the psych ward till about 1030. And then we left you. And <laughs> when we left you, they were like, good to see you again, Erin. We're so happy you're here. I mean, part of they that is trying to make you feel comfortable, you know. Um, it was, of course, easier to leave you that then, that second time, because I knew that you were in good hands. And you were only there at that time for, I think, about 10 days. Um, maybe, yeah. Graham went home during that time just to kind of regroup. And then she came back, you know, after you came home. But you came home on the 31st. You really wanted How to be home out of the hospital on the 31st and uh the day before so let's see on the 29th we were we were visiting with you Graham was back by then 
and you were getting really agitated with all of the external noise around you, right? People talking and stuff like that. And I said to Graham on the way out of the hospital and your dad, she's going to be out of psychosis tomorrow, by tomorrow. And they said, maybe this was actually a couple of days before. And because you went to the step down treatment first, I forgot. So it was a couple of days before that. And I said, they said, how do you know? And I said, I can just tell like she, when she's coming back to reality, the world bothers her. Like while she's inside, <laughs> the world yeah. doesn't bother does that make sense? Like that was how it was for you. So then when you were coming back, um, and then of course they didn't believe me, but the next day, like you were pretty much yourself and then they put you into the step down program and then, uh, then you, um, you know, you got to come home on the 31st and you, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember going to the mall? Um, yeah, I remember being there for like five minutes because it was Halloween and I wanted to do something. You wanted to wear your costume that you had bought to, you know, to be with Shem. And it was not the most appropriate policewoman costume, you know. So, but I was like, whatever. So we'll take you to the mall because I was like, well, we can, there's some, that's something to do. But you were really overwhelmed by the noise. So we were there for like five minutes and then we came home and. And you've never been back to the hospital. So that was, you know, in 2017. Yeah. Uh, I had experienced derealization a few times though, but only yeah, for like half an hour max. And then I was okay again. Well, and there's, you know, your doctors being, having the good program that you were in, I mean, set you up for, for success. And of course it hasn't been easy the last, you know, it's been six years going to be almost, six almost six years yeah coming up and I don't like August anymore I used to like it because it was my birthday month but I hate that stupid month now I'm sorry <laughs> it's okay I hate the whole August and September but every year it gets easier last year like the last two years I didn't have anxiety leading up to those months which was good um but it's been hard the last six years. I mean, you've shared in your book, we didn't always have the best relationship through your recovery. It was very difficult. It's difficult yeah. to have. Just really haven't ever had the best relationship, unfortunately, but we're, we're getting better. Yeah. We had a better relationship before psychosis, but. I don't think so, but I don't, I, I've, I don't think I remember, honestly, I don't, I don't have a memory of anything, unfortunately. I so. think what else? We had a different relationship and of course you're an adult now and and it's really hard to have your adult kids live with you and you lived with us for a, a long time yeah. <laughs> um and a lot of things happened but and I, your dad and I didn't always handle things the right way I didn't either so so that's that but you know you've grown a lot and I wish there were a lot of things when you were younger. I didn't know. I mean, I, you were in therapy pretty much from age six on to about 13, 14, when you said you didn't want to be in therapy anymore. And, you know, you didn't want to take your medicine anymore. You didn't want to take the ADHD medicine anymore. And I said, well, as long as you're taking the ADHD medicine, my opinion is you have to be in therapy. I don't know if you remember this, but when you were a young adult, like about 20 maybe 21, 
we wanted you to go to therapy again because we felt like you were kind of just overwhelmed. You had, because, and you were, you were like school full-time, nanny full-time, working at the hotel. I mean, you were just always like a hundred miles an hour going, 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 going. And it's no wonder that you crashed and burned after you graduated and all the things and the drugs and all that stuff. But you went to this therapist a couple times and then he said, you said, well, the therapist wants you to meet with us. And I was like, okay, so I go. And then the therapist tells me all this stuff. Like, I don't know. And you're looking at me like, see mom, like hear what the therapist is saying. And I looked at you and I'm like, do you not remember all the years that I took you to therapy? And you didn't remember any of them. Like you had been in play therapy from like age six on. And then you were in therapy when we first moved to Georgia, I mean, to California from age nine until like 14, but it's like, you didn't remember any of it. I don't. I used to drive you an hour to Jacksonville to go see the psychiatrist there. Um, so I was like, ah, like, you don't even remember all the years of therapy and yeah. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, it was the wrong diagnosis anyway. You had bipolar. And interestingly enough, when you were about nine, we did take you to get like a whole psychiatric workup done. And the psychiatrist then did diagnose you correctly. That It was called something else. It wasn't bipolar. But it was like what they used. I don't know the word. It was like what they used to call bipolar in kids. So I took that information to your psychologist, your therapist, your play therapist. And she was like, that psychiatrist is crazy. That is not what Aaron has. And I was like, okay, you've been her therapist forever. So I'll trust you. But I should have trusted that psychiatrist because she was right. So. Oh, well, water (laughs) under the bridge. Water under the bridge. It is what it is. Right. All right. Well, do you have anything else important? We've been, I don't want to like, I don't want to cut you off, but we have been talking for almost an hour. I know. Uh, I say that this is what I would like to say to your, to your people who are listening is that it is very difficult to be a parent of a child with mental health struggles. It can feel isolating. Um, It can feel overwhelming. It can feel like it's never going to get better. I remember thinking just like, you're never going to come back to us. Like that was my biggest fear was that you would never come back to us. Like who you were Mm -hmm. and you're not the same Aaron. I mean, you're not, you're different and, and, and you're much better and you're much healthier now, you know, but there's definitely things that were lost um, in psychosis that I don't know if they'll ever come back, you know? Um, like what? Just, I mean, I think now pretty much you're fully recovered and it's just, you you don't have memories of things, you know, that's, it's like your life for psychosis is just gone in your brain. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And so that's hard on your dad and I, because like, it's a whole, it's 20, 
five years. 23 years. But yeah. Yeah, of your life that are just like erased, kind of, you know. Well, I don't Um, really have the I don't really have the best memory of my childhood before psychosis, but now it's just gotten worse. I I just don't remember anything, unfortunately. So 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 I would say that it's hard, it's isolating. Um but there's a lot of reward in watching your kids, you know, your kids who have mental health struggles keep themselves on the right track. Like I know we probably don't tell you as often as we should, but we're very proud of you for all the things you're doing and your recovery that you're doing and taking it and owning it. Um, we don't always make the right decisions. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's kind of a part of life. Unfortunately, not always making the best decisions, I, but it's, it is rewarding to watch you, you know, be on the right path and to do the things that are good for you and to take responsibility and to take authority over your life and to want to be healthy because there are a lot of people who don't. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who can't. I mean, you, we are truly blessed and that we had access to all the stuff that we had access to. We're blessed that we had a family member, you know, Graham, your dad's mom, willing to come and live with us for three months so that you could, so that your dad and I could go back to work and you could go to therapy and have Mm -hmm. somebody drive you all the places you needed to be driven to. I mean, without that extra help without somebody staying with you, I wouldn't have been able to bring you home from the hospital. I would have had to quit my job. Yeah. And we could afford that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that a lot of people don't have access to. So I'm thankful and grateful that you take advantage of all of what you do have and that you have available to you because so many people don't have it available and you do and you're you're using it and also that you're trying to bring awareness to what psychosis is um because for us it was a crash lesson you know yeah and what psychosis was or and Mm -hmm. is and it's different for everybody it is yeah yeah so So, i have so i have some closing questions for you mom and i guess um, we can both answer them. So I guess it's, do you, do you regret that I went through psychosis? And if you do, what would you have done differently? If you could have even done anything differently? I do regret that you went through psychosis because as your parent, you know, you don't want your child to suffer. And I feel like Part of the reason you went through psychosis is because you had an undiagnosed or misdiagnosed mental health issue. And although your dad and I did everything that we could think of to do, you were in therapy, you were on medicine. Um, you know, we were trying to take you to the right places because you were struggling and that, you know, I can't help but feel like, okay. I should have listened to that one psychiatrist or I should have done this or I should have done that. And she wouldn't have been misdiagnosed. And then if you wouldn't have been misdiagnosed, maybe it wouldn't have happened. But at the same time, 
you know, you also made a really bad choice to do drugs, which yeah. I think was an opening to the psychosis part. But, you know, you also had untreated, untreated bipolar. So I regret, I just regret all of that. Um, so if I could do things differently, it would have been, you know, to listen to that one psychiatrist when you were nine. Um, I was young. I was, I mean, I was a young mom when you were nine. I mean, I was 30 <laughs> at that time, you know? So, yeah. um, I mean, I think, you know, my answer to this question, I, I don't regret it. I mean, what I want, do I want to regret it? I guess. Yeah. If that makes sense. But I, I don't because like I said in my last podcast, if I hadn't gone through it, then I probably would have gone my entire life not knowing I was bipolar. And that's that's something major that I should have known. And I don't, yeah. So yeah. Yes. Um, uh, what, I, what I would do differently, I probably wouldn't do the drugs. Um, I don't know if I would have ever experienced psychosis if I hadn't done the drugs, but no, as a, as a whole, I don't regret it. And you know, we, unfortunately, we, we both had different experiences. Like I was in psychosis and you and dad and Graham and Shim and Greta and Tyler, you all saw the outside. So unfortunately I can't ever see what you saw and you can't ever see what I saw, but right. there's an understanding there. So, yep. so what piece of advice would you give someone who's also struggling? Like, like a parent, if you could tell them, give them advice reach out to NAMI, um, which let me just confirm real quick what that stands for. Um, it's something it, national alliance of something. Yeah. Um, and I did reach out to them and they did kind of give me some guidance about how to get you into the hospital and that kind of thing, the national alliance on mental illness. Uh, so reach out to them for help. And I would say, go with your children to therapy, you know, be an active part in their recovery. And also don't take control of it. You know, there was, I had to stop going with you to therapy and everything because I felt like I was being too controlling in the situation. And you weren't really taking ownership of it all. Um, and get therapy yourself if mm -hmm. your kid, child has mental health issues you need therapy um and and or you need you need something you need a, you need something to help you um it is traumatic but you can get through it and you need to reach out to people that can help you and also don't be afraid to talk to your friends about it because when I started, when we went back to church, you know, after it all started, happened, I cannot tell you the number of people who came up to me and said, this happened to me, or this happened to my daughter, or this happened to my son. Yeah. It's so hidden. And I was like, why do we not talk about this? Yeah. So that was, so that's the other thing is that it's very common for, um, mental health struggles to happen and also it just so happens I've learned that you know like when you had your psychotic break 
it's nor that's a very normal age like 18 to 25 is a very normal age for psychosis to happen because there are a lot of life changes that a lot of times young adults are not prepared for and parents are not prepared either for okay. child to go through and so just look for signs and don't be surprised if it happens if 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 uh, mental health struggles first show themselves in that age that time period age-wise so okay so my piece of advice i would give someone who's struggling is just basically to listen to yourself and uh, make sure that you're your best advocate because you know yourself better than anybody else does so do you have anything else you'd like to say mom before i say my closing statement i love you i'm glad that you're on love the you your recovery and, and i missed you it was nice to see you it's nice to see you too yeah um, and i'm really proud of you and i'm glad that you're using this platform as a way to really expose what psychosis is for people who are interested literally. or maybe who <laughs> yeah. literally psychosis is <laughs> yes and that's about it okay well just <laughs> for everyone who's listening just remember that it's okay to not be okay and don't be afraid to reach out for help if you need it Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Psychosis Is. If you liked this week's story, please give my show a follow, share with your friends or family, and leave a review. I would greatly appreciate it. If you or anyone you know has a psychosis story to share, please reach out to me at psychosisinquiries at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Wow, wow,